Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. back to straight from the source michael russo coming to you from washington dc and my partner in crime is down uh, wearing sunglasses on a lanai in western florida back at his old stomping grounds uh, joe smith who joe isn't it crazy i feel like i see you almost less than i saw you when you like in person when you covered the lightning uh i i honestly don't think we've seen each other in person for like two months i uh, yeah i don't think i've seen you this calendar year right uh, yeah, definitely not. And then I didn't see the holiday, so like we're kind of like, like crossing, passing us in the night, you know, like you never know what the hell's gonna happen. But uh, um, I've heard you're still alive and well, which is good. Uh, yep. And I don't think I'll see. I you. I don't know about well, but alive. I don't think I'll see you until hmm, a couple more weeks, maybe. So yeah, yeah. easily because so, yeah, I'm going to uh, yeah, I got the well, unless you come to the home game against Buffalo, which I don't even know if you're back in town for. Um, and then I'm not going to be at Hockey Day, Minnesota. That's the Flyer game. And then I go on a little vacation, and then go to Phoenix and and the All Star game and Dallas. So yeah, it's going to be a little bit. Um, man, was I thankful for you yesterday? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was traveling all day. Uh, Joe was on the Matt Boldy move uh, news. Uh, seven years, forty nine million dollars. Um, I think that the you know perception out there for the last you know really couple months was that he was going to get a bridge deal. I think that even Bill Guerin and the Wild thought that he was going to get a bridge deal. Um, and then all of a sudden, I think they just started to realize, hey, you know what? If they could lock him in at $7 million a year, they'll just deal with the aftermath. And there's going to be an aftermath. But what they are betting on is that in two, three years, when this cap is skyrocketing, if Matt Boldy continues on the trajectory that he's on, 68 points in 89 games, that this is going to be a steal. That's what they hope and that's what they think. And a lot of teammates feel that way too. And you look at it. Yeah, I think bridge deal would have made sense too, just because they keep the app, the number down, but it wouldn't have been that much lower than 7 million, even if you had a three, four year deal. So if you're thinking the cap's going to go up significantly in a couple of years, which they hope and they expect it to be, that $7 million, if he's a 25 goal scorer, you know, in this league, uh, is going to age pretty well. So, um, you know, I think it's hard for Bully to pass up his first fortune, of course. And I think if Billy Garen's like, Hey, this guy's for seven years. I have Caprice off for, for five and you have Eck. And so you cross those things off the list and you can kind of build around that. So the key, I think, in this whole scenario is deciding 
is this guy a cornerstone player, which that's what Garrett called him the other day. And if you decide that, you'd be as proactive as you can to get him at a good number for a number of years. If you believe in this guy on and off the ice, which they do, um, then it'll, it'll pay off in the end. And obviously, I mean, last year he just came onto the scene and just did wonders for the Wild in the second half. Um, Kevin Fiala uh, erupted with Boldy as well. Um, after Boldy scored in his first NHL game, the winning goal in his hometown of Boston. Um, and then it's just been clear sailing ever since. Um, you know, it's interesting because he's, you know, he's obviously getting points this year. Um, but I do think there's been a little bit of a sophomore slump, uh, Joe. And I think that a lot of Wild fans are starting to look at that as like, that's what he's going to be in the future. But I think now you get this off off your mind. And now if we can become the Boldy that we saw last year, and definitely continue to to you know uh, develop in his career. I think that this really could be a great contract. It definitely could be. And, and look at this year though for him is he had, Kevin Fiala. You know, obviously got traded in the offseason, so one of his top line mates left. Uh, he kind of juggled around the, the lineup the, early in the season where he was playing with Rossi one night. He's playing with another person one night. So until recently, he hasn't had consistent kind of line mates there. Now with Hartman and and Goudreau. Um and so I, I think there still is. Part of him, his instinct is to be a, a playmaker or a setup guy, which he's done his whole life. And I think the Wild are trying to get him to be more aggressive and assertive and just command the game. When you have, there are not many guys on this roster aside from like Real Kaprizov or I think maybe Zuccarello that have the skill set and be, can be as dynamic as Matt Boldy can be. Um, and they just want him to be, you know, take more assertiveness and, and kind of take command of the game. They saw that a couple weeks ago in like a Saturday game against St. Louis. He was, four or five plays were like highlight real worthy and he didn't score, but he created a chance and a rebound and that could have easily been goal. So if you see more of that from him, you'll have more of a threat in the playoffs. You can't just be a one line team. So they need him and that Hartman line to be uh, a threat uh, offensively so they can actually have some secondary scoring. How much you, you know, you, you talk to Billy as much as I do. I mean, how much do you think he realizes that, you know, obviously right now their cap situation is what it is. Um, but that, you know, for the rest of the season, maybe at the deadline, instead of us for 22 years saying this team needs to go out and get a center, that maybe the the priority will be, you know what, let's go get Boldy some help, put somebody on that line and see if maybe, uh, you know, they could go on an, a little bit of an ascension. And I think like the biggest name out there is Patrick Kane, of course, and who better to add on the other side to have two lines. They have Zuccarello and Kaprizov and you have Kane and uh, and Boldy. And obviously that's might be wishful thinking for a lot of Wild fans. but um, I think you're. I think you're right. I think. I think. And it's my hunches. I think you know. Gary kind of does want to give this team a chance and go for it and make a move. Um, they have a ton of cap space right now at the deadline for this year that they can pick up an UFA, and they do have a really good prospect pool, and they do have their first round picks. And I know they don't want to mortgage their future, um, but I think it'll be interesting in the next three, four weeks to see this team will tell him are they good enough to to, to win a round or two, or how how much do you want to mortgage if you don't think your team is a cup contender? If you if you, you want to spend a lot. For your team to just win one round and maybe make make some noise in the second round, or do you think you legitimately with one extra or two extra pieces can um, come out of a Western Conference that you know Colorado's down, um, you know Dallas and Winnipeg? If you think you have a chance to beat those teams um, that are up ahead of you in the standings? Then want to give you guys a shot? Yeah, I've gotten a lot of a lot of people asking me about Kane and Taves, and I really do think that either one of them makes a lot of sense for this team, but more so to me, Kane. Um, you know, as you just said, I, I just think that, you know, if you put him on that line, uh, you, you know, suddenly you have two lines of scoring threats and then you add the Erickson Eck line. Uh, I think uh, that, that that's a team that can make some noise. And the power play, look at the, what, what the power play would look like if you have him on there, too. I don't know how that would change the configuration um, on the power play. But, yeah, you have guys that can move from one power play to the next one, have more depth there. But 
no question. You need a couple scoring lines. And if you have the fourth line, those are Reeves and Dewar and Shaw that can be a really good plugging physical line. You don't need them to play more than 10 to some minutes. Um, that's a really good line for a playoff uh, type team. Yep, exactly. And you know playoffs uh, a lot better than some of us, by the way. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, you know, like when I look at the wild trade board and, or the NHL trade board that we're doing, there's other wingers there that make sense as well. A lot of wild fans have asked me about Tyler Bertuzzi. I think that that he would make sense as well. The problem with him is always injuries. And, and um, you, know, you know, but he is somebody that, you you know, you put on a wing. It could be pretty interesting. I think so, too. There's others like. Maybe not bigger names, whether it's Duclair or NSDU, um, other ones that are not going to be costing you quite as much um, that can make be a scoring threat or maybe with a fresh start can can do some damage for you. So I just don't think we're going to see a, a Boar Horvat or a Besser or a Chikrin or these other bigger names that are on there. But I think if you go down the list and you see some teams and even ones that maybe aren't on that on our trade board, um, for, for Tampa all those years, you're always looking for who's on our, the, the, the TSN or the athletic trade board. And it ends up being Brandon Hagel, who was like give two round, first round picks for, or Barkley Goudreau. Um, so uh, sometimes those underrated moves make the biggest difference uh, when it comes to yep. the playoffs. No doubt. Um, you know, it is, I mean, this is the season of throwing stuff against the wall. And obviously we've been seeing that lately. Uh, somebody wrote a giant story about the wild um, and the Pittsburgh Penguins having trade talks, that completely seems to be um, a fallacy mm-hmm. uh, compare, c- you know, considering the reporting that you and I both have done on that subject. Um, Chikrin also, mm-hmm. uh, Wild have no interest. Um, you know, it just doesn't make sense. The one that still interests me is Besser. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only way that Besser would make sense is if, you know, if, if, if Vancouver retained a ton of salary because obviously he's got extra term on his deal. Yeah, and I think that's... Bill Garrett another day uh, about that. I'm like, I know you don't like to give up asset for rentals, but isn't that pretty much your mostly your market right now? If you look at your cap space going into next year, they don't have a lot that they can really look at. Well, they with the Goldie deal, you have nine million dollars left for like seven guys if you keep most of those guys. So, I mean, I'm I know that Twitter has a lot of good negotiators that say that's going to be easy, no no problem, but uh, I find it a little more tricky. So I think that they're in the rental market this year mostly, unless they can get a hockey trade where you you move some salary, you move a guy that's established player on your team uh, that with term that you can maybe, you know, and we've talked about that a little bit more in the last couple of days and stories on guys on this team who could be on the move for cap purposes. Yep, absolutely. Let's discuss that right now. By the way, I, I'm still waiting for us to an- announce the uh, Freddie Goudreau eight years <laughs> times one t- contract. Do you think he'll take eight years at eight million? Just get I, it done. I think they're happy. I think Dean will want to go back to the 13 year, like give them this, give them Parise money, you know, and see if they can <laughs> exactly. lock them in. But hey, everybody knocks, get definitely Freddy, Freddy, term. everybody knocks him. I get that in the love affair with, 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 uh, with Everson, but he's a good player. And in, at the yes. right number, you know, very like, you know, a guy you don't really think about a lot. He's not going to get a lot of headlines usually, at least especially w- with us. But I think overall, he's a guy that every team kind of needs, right? A Swiss army knife, a guy can play the penalty kill smart player unselfish you know guys like him in the room so i i think yes he's not your superstar but you know i wouldn't give him eight by eight but you know uh i'm sure he'll be getting a deal sometime this summer yep um and uh yeah i think that if he's smart he'll take a team-friendly deal here uh let's discuss uh the ufas and how the wild get this done um right now going into next season we got you got reeves and dumba as ufas you have sam Steele. Brandon Duham, Mason Shaw, Kalen Addison, and Philip Gustafson as RFAs. Um, only at this point, 
I mean, it's pretty crazy uh, when you think about it. $9 million of cap space if the cap goes to $83.5 million. How the heck do they get this done, Joe? Well, I mean, I think you make your priorities, you know, first in line, like Boldy was number one priority. Now what's your number two priority? Like I would argue, you know, getting Gustafson um, under contract would be one of them. And he's not going to cost you a ton, but the more this goes, if he ends up having this year that he's had, he's really young. I mean, not really experienced in this league, but um, he'll take, I don't know if it's a probably a couple of year deal with, I don't know what the number will be, but I think the priority would be to sign him. Um, you know, Goudreau will probably be signed. won't be much of a, as a more of a hassle of a negotiation. Uh, the question I have is Kalen Addison, uh, Mike. Um, clearly, he's a guy that they trust in the power play. They've had issues with him defensively. They scratched him. We wrote about that. Um, so they wanted to see more from him in that end before, you know, committing. But what is the reasonable ask on his side? And is he going to be a priority for them uh, next year? Yeah, that's that's the big one that I, I wonder about, too. Like, I, I just wonder what his price is going to be. And, um, you know, I mean, the thing is that if they, at a minimum, they're not going to have Dumba on this team next year, whether they trade him or not. And, you know, if you have Brock Faber there, there's a right shot guy. They have uh, Spatcha coming, a right shot guy. Um, I'm hearing from sources that they have a lot of interest in Luke Shen. Obviously, Tampa wants him back, but I think a lot of teams want Luke Shen. He's a right shot guy if they went and acquired him. I just wonder, you know, if Kalen is somebody that they are going to make a long-term commitment to or if they would even consider moving him this offseason. I think they could consider moving him, but I think you're you're right. The depth there on the right side, at least for NHL ready depth, isn't quite there. You know, um, if you trade Dumba, I know you talked to Dumba I think earlier today um, for a story, but um, there's a there's a chance, a good chance he gets moved to the deadline. But you need to have somebody replace those 20 minutes in the penalty kill. And if you're not ready to put Kalen Addison in that top four, which I don't know if they are necessarily yet, um, you need somebody in, to get back. They can play in that role. Uh, you can't count on Brock Faber to be ready to go and. NHL ready top four April 6th or whatever it is. So um, right now the right shot defenseman that are most NHL ready is Andre Schuster, who I loved in Tampa and great guy, but um, he's more of a third pairing guy um, for your team. So that's where it gets tricky and the Dumbo situation gets kind of murky is like, yeah, like yeah. an ideal situation, you get something for him because he's not going to be coming back next year. But if you dump him, you still need somebody who's a competent veteran NHL defenseman to play that role. And Luke Shen, I like him a lot. Um, I wonder if Garen thinks is he a guy who can plug in for Dumba next to Brodeen. I mean, maybe very well, maybe, but that's the question you have to ask yourself if you're Bill Garen when you decided to move Matt Dumba. You can't move it just to dump him out of here and, and move him. 100%. Um, plus, he's a really a loved guy in that room, as you know, longer than, you've been there longer than I have. But I think he really, the fans may have you know, nitpick him a lot, but the guys in the room, you know, and he loves Minnesota. So. He absolutely loves Minnesota. I talked to him today, um, as Joe mentioned, for a story, and he did uh, cut open a vein, and he admitted, um, and this will be in The Athletic later tonight in, in the game story, um, but he basically said he knows that every single day that he comes to the rink could be his last on the Minnesota Wild. Um, he's had incredibly open conversation uh, and honest conversation with Bill Guerin, so he understands that there is a chance that they're going to trade him. But as Joe just mentioned, um, you know, Dumbo might think that he's got one foot out the door the one foot out the door might happen this summer. It might not happen before the trade deadline. Bill Guerin is not going to move him unless they get better. It's not going to be just trade him and just plug in Alex Goligoski for the rest of the season there. You know, you could get by for a little bit with Goligoski, but he's going to want to get some sort of defenseman back um, that is going to be able to play a top four role in significant minutes for this team in some capacity, whether it's in the dumb trade or another trade. And that other trade, 
Let's get to um, another one that we've been reporting a lot of lately is Jordan Greenway. Um, I think you and I both have this perception right now that Greenway is on the block, um, and it might not be a summer deal. It might be in advance of a trade deadline deal, um, you know, for mul- myriad reasons. Um, one, they need the cap space for the summer. Um, you, you, you know, you can trade Jordan Greenway and his $3 million and sign Brandon Duhame for maybe half the price and put him in that same role next to Felino and Erickson Eck next year. Um, the other reason is that there is zero production from Jordan Greenway all season long. And the third reason is uh, what happened a week and a half ago, where he just essentially didn't show up for a game, um, according to our reporting. And that really put the team in a bind on a second of a back-to-back with no extra forwards on the roster, Joe. And um, and you and I both know Bill Guerin, and you and I both know Dean Evason. Um, they could not have been happy about that situation. Absolutely not. And it kind of my spice senses went up that day. I covered that game, and when they announced he was – a non-COVID illness, the team did during the game. Like, by the way, he was a late scratch for this reason. And I asked, I was about it afterwards, and he wouldn't even say he was an illness. Illness. He was like, he was unavailable. That's all I want to say about that. And he looked kind of ticked off. You're like, okay, well, clearly it wasn't just a run of the mill, like, you know, the flu or whatever it might be. So clearly that ticked them off and it put them in a bad spot. More, you know, obviously not everybody is 100% every day, but, you know, they had two guys that were injured that game. They had two forwards that got hurt in that same game. They had got down to nine forwards. On a back-to-back, Kaprizov had to play 26 minutes, that you know, 12 minutes in the third period. So, uh, you know, when you make mistakes, everybody makes mistakes, of course. When you make mistakes that hurt the team and put them in a bad spot, it definitely uh, draws some ire from your GM and your coach. So, um, you know, I think they, they liked Greenway as a, as a person, as a kid. Obviously, he was a guy that they, they signed to an extension, I think, believe, last year. Um, but if all those variables that you laid out all kind of in a perfect storm work together, where it would not be surprising to me at all. Um, if he has moved this summer, or maybe if there's a deal that comes out to play uh, before, um, you have to him, you can slide in there and, and be in that shutdown role. Yeah, I, that's just my spider senses. And and to, to Joe's point, like I know Billy Guerin loves Jordan Greenway, mm-hmm. loves him as a person off the ice, but he's also a no nonsense guy. And I cannot imagine um, that, that this organization was happy with the, the, the you know, really the lurch that he put them in. A couple of weeks ago, and um, I don't think Greenway's, Greenway's not a bad guy either. Not a bad kid. He doesn't yeah. hurt anybody. He's not out hurting people other than on off the ice. Like he maybe just make some some questionable decisions or maybe not as mature decisions in that situation. And um, those are all factors you have to, to play out when you want to build a team that, that they're big on culture, right? They're big on culture, big on accountability. Uh, that's been like kind of the bread and butter of what they wanted to build here with Evison and, and Garen. So that has to be uh, part of the consideration. What do you make of the team right now, Joe? Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just been a weird year. It's like they've, they've been playing, they've been successful. They're winning games, but you know, take it from somebody that, you know, covered them last year. They were an extremely entertaining team last year, but in the end it got them nowhere, right? They lost in the first round this year. It doesn't feel like they're nearly as entertaining. You know, they're winning games that they're not playing great in, you know, I didn't think they were outstanding at all in New York. They, they defended well, but they weren't great in the offensive zone. And then, you know, Arizona really lucky to win that. And there's been a lot of those experiences this year. There have been. And I think there was a little, I mean, as much as they were exciting team last year um, and the 25 come from behind wins and just outscoring their problems, it might've been a little more smoke and mirrors than that was let on in terms of that's not a recipe you can, live and die on, especially they found out in the playoffs. So Bill Gary mentioned that Saturday in the midseason review. Like they talked a lot with Dean Everson over the summer. Like, we need to change a bit and kind of an eye opener for them of not just playing the more tight 
defensive style of hockey, but handling adverse moments uh, it, in a better fashion, like they didn't do when they're up two to one, and they thought they were to go three to one and win the series. So, I think this team, yes, is probably more boring to watch um, than the last year's team. Um, they don't have a ton of guys that can scare you offensively, but they play together. Um, you know, they play well defensively. Their expected goals allowed numbers is right up there, top of the league. Their goaltending has been better than I think you and I expected going into the season, and so they have a lot of elements that can help you win uh, a playoff series. So. Um, but yeah, they're a hard team to read. Like, you know, I looked up the other, other day, they're on the same amount of, same, same points as the Lightning had before they played them the other day. And I was like, it's kind of crazy to think, but, um, give them credit for winning games that they're supposed to win against kind of a softer schedule in December to kind of padded the record. But I think now we'll see in the next couple of weeks what they're made of, you know, Capitals, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, like all four on the road. That's going to be a really good test for them to see uh, how they match up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You've gotten to cover Kirill Kaprizov here now for half a season. Um, one goal from 100 might happen tonight in front of his idol, uh, Alex Ovechkin. Who knows? Um, what's your impression from somebody that's covered a ton of superstars, from Victor Hedman to Stamkos to Kucherov to Point? Um, you've seen some incredible players in this league, Joe. Uh, where's Kaprizov stand? Right near top of that list, I think. And he's so young, too, but I was covered the wild lightning game in Minnesota and I was walking the hallway and I saw Kucherov and he was talking to Kaprizov in the hallway and he's like, Hey Joe, shook his hand said, huh? He's like, how you like it here? And I, I almost wanted to tell him like, it's fun to watch this guy every day pointing to Kirill Kaprizov, you know, <laughs> um, just because there are games like, you know, no matter if it's down one goal or two, this guy could just break the whole thing open and find a way to, he's just one of those magnetic um, dynamic players that, and has that it factor where he wants to be, a difference maker. And I, I kind of saw from afar last year, I'm like, oh, this guy's obviously flashy. He can great hands, like skills off the charts. But I'm really impressed the committed defensively he is. Like a two-way game is better than I think people realize. If you watch him day in and day out. Um, you see how much he, he works at the defensive end. He back checks. He's a really more of a physical player than people realize too. Like that Dowdy exchange back in LA like a couple months ago, he didn't back down at all to him. So like, um, I think I've appreciated, you appreciate more the players when you see them day to day, when you watch them practice, when you see him and Zuccarello after a morning ski for 25 minutes out there just messing around, going through imaginary plays and Bill Guerin smacking the glass, being like, get the hell off the ice, okay? You have a game in like six hours. So um, definitely been a treat to watch him. And I just wish, like like you know, he's getting a lot better with, with his English, of course, and in interviews. Um, it's such a really great personality. Like looking forward to seeing him as he opens up and gets more comfortable speaking the language for us to get to know him, which lets the fans get to know him better too. Yeah. Uh, Joe, let's do this. Let's take a uh, break and we'll come back with Twitter questions. And hopefully that break is uh, Jeff Demet talking about Manscaped. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, back here straight from the source, Michael Russo, Joe Smith. Uh, Michael's coming from Washington, D.C. Joe Smith from his old stomping grounds in St. Pete, Florida. See the orange trees in the background. The pool, and the, the lemon. And, yeah. yep. and Joe has been nice enough to take off his shades, so he's yeah. doing this from his lanai. <laughs> that was um, just a joke. You know. Yeah. Um, Joe, uh, you land in the f- sun and you're getting to cover this father-son trip. You are going to come back to Minnesota, though, right? I think it was a one-way ticket, didn't I? Trip actually was one <laughs> way. So I think you got the team for a while here. Like, I don't know. So, I, I mean, it is, it is. you know, you probably didn't know the same thing, uh, Michael. You spend a long time in a place like you did as well and you come back the first time. It's like all the memories flash back and yeah. getting to see some old friends and drive past the old house that we sold a couple of months. You know, like, there's going to be, obviously, it's a lot of fun to see people. And I'm sure it's 75 degrees here. It's a beautiful, sunny day. This morning, they de-iced the plane in Minneapolis and delayed us by a half hour and slush and, you know, and I went way to the cab. So um, this I could, I could get used to this a little longer, but I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. uh, my job and my contract uh, has me back in Minneapolis and joining you sometime soon. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, it, and and I'll probably uh, like I'm going to the Oscar game in Florida. But the one thing that you realize, maybe it'll be different for you, but it wasn't like like this is my 18th year in Minnesota. I don't know. Every trip to to South Florida, like every year that went by, it became more and more of a business trip. And mm-hmm. I mean this with all due respect to my old colleagues and my friends. Um, but it's just like you see less and less people for some reason. Next thing you know, it's just like you're going to any city. So maybe yeah. it won't be for the same for you. Well, it'll, it'll be this one will probably be more, you know, just different because it's the first time in three months since I packed the car up and put Sammy in the backseat and drove from St. Pete to, to Minneapolis. But uh, yeah, I'm sure as it goes along, it'll be more, a little more normal. And uh, we do enjoy Minneapolis too. It's not a, not a knock out that. It's been a fun, uh, kind of blown by the last three months uh, working with you up there. So it's uh, it's been a good time. Yeah, and you won your first meat raffle. That was a bucket list item for sure. I only spent four bucks and got two New York strip steaks. My wife was happy with dinner. We had, made them last night, uh, pan fried them. They were delicious. So I, I know it's a good way to sucker us in to get more money, but I figured I, I might as well, you know, embrace the, the Minnesota culture with that and the pull tabs and cross country skiing and karaoke at Vegas lounge. Like you got to go all in, Crazy. right? So yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go to Twitter questions. Uh, we got about 150 questions. We'll answer about 10 minutes worth. Um, so uh, sorry if you didn't make the cut here. Um, but uh, you know, I'm in, I'm basically interrupting Joe. Uh, his first two or three days in Florida is not is not to do podcasts. So uh, let's get going. Blake asks, "What is your personal opinion of Boldy's AAV? Was seven million a year a little too much? Too little? I was hoping to see it around six six and a half million. Personally, I mean, I, I'm shocked that it that they did seven years at seven. Not the wild. I think Boldy's camp um, because I think that they really think that with the cap going up." Um, Joe, that in you know three, four, five years he could be an eight, nine million dollar player, and so I think when the Wild realized that they can get him at seven, they just took the bet that hey, yeah, they're going to be overpaying him the next couple years, um, but eventually if he continues on this path, he's going to be, um, you know, this is going to be a big uh, bargain. Yeah, I asked Agent Brian Bartlett the other day. I'm like, is there some risk here? He goes, of course there is. If he turns into this elite player, we all think he can be, he'll be underpaid at the end of his deal. Um, but he also has forty nine million dollars, a lot of it front loaded too, uh, to bank on in case he has an injury or something happens. You know, you never want to pass up that first fortune. I have a Longoria toy bet with that a long time ago when he signed after eight games in the big leagues. But um, but yeah, I think but he also will be a free agent at age twenty nine, I believe. So if he does like kick ass on this deal and becomes a thirty goal scorer, then when the cap is 
they hope were like over 90 million by then, um, then you can kind of go go crazy there. So, but he likes it here. He's, he's a fit. Um, he loves the team. The team feels he's a, a cornerstone guy you can build around. So the seven and seven didn't really bother me too much. Um, and it, it'll look good probably later on in his career. Uh, Matthew has a good question. Says, how does a contract like this affect the locker room? I know the boys are happy, but they also have to realize it will affect who can resign and who might get traded. It's a great question, uh, Matthew. And that was one I was asking around the room today um, because it, it does. I mean, you know, Matt Dumba, if he didn't know before, he's not going to be back next year. He certainly knows now. And I guarantee you there are guys like Jordan Greenway. And even though I think you and I both think there's no chance they trade like a Marcus Fleno or Ryan Hartman, I'm sure even guys like that start to think like, hey, you know, could my time be coming to an end here? Because they all have calculators. They all know the math doesn't work. And yeah, while you're excited for a teammate, um, this clearly will have, um, you know, a lasting effect on and determine the futures of certain players. And I think you and I both think that coincidentally, it's going to affect another Brian Bartlett client, and that's Jordan Greenway. And one of, you know, Boldy's good friends, and I think Boldy lived with Greenway last year, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, absolutely. too. So it's just... One of those things that's such a small, tight hockey community. And I think the guys were ribbing him yesterday and in the locker room and tell, tell me he had to buy dinner last night. I don't know if he did it buy dinner in D.C. or not. But I think they're generally happy for him. They're generally happy for a guy who's 21 years old getting this this fortune here because um, he, he's a hardworking player. But but yeah, like all the RFAs, you know, whether it's Addison or Gustafson or Steele, there's only so much money left there to, to spend. So. Or if you're Ryan Reeves, who they love there too, will he come back next year? I don't know if you, th- I don't know what you think about that. If you could pick him or not. Yeah, I think it's going to be very much like Nick Delorier, where the you know the Wild really wanted Delorier back, but he got extra term and money from the Flyers, and I think Reeves is probably going to be the same thing. Like I think Billy Guerin would love to have him back at seven fifty, but is Ryan Reeves coming back for seven fifty? You know, I you know that'll be the big question. Uh, you know, if he thinks that he can get million and a half elsewhere or something like that, I, I think that he'll at least test free agency. Um, so I, I do think it affects that. Um, you know, Addison's still the one that I just, you know, I just have the sneaking suspicion that he could be somebody that they, that they, depending on what he's going to be commanding, um, could be somebody that they maybe move this summer. I know that might make wild fans just shocked, but you know, also people I think know me by now that, that, you know, that I wouldn't just throw that out there with having just, you know, with, without, you know, feel having a good sense of that. And, um, you know, when you look at Spachik and Faber and Hunt and Peart and O'Rourke and all these young defensemen that they have in the pipeline, um, you know, Addison is somebody that they're going to have to make a serious decision on this offseason. Definitely. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Sam Steele. Like, you kind of get lost in the shuffle here uh, because, yeah. you know, 850 this year, kind of a, you know, prove it deal and kind of the fresh change of scenery has been great for him. Um, arguments like anybody can play with those two guys, but that's not the case. And like, so he does should get some credit for being able to play with them and, yeah. um, and, and perform well in that situation. So I'm, I'm curious, like, Hey, does he understand that and know that, Hey, I'm benefiting from a really good scenario here. I might not yeah. get to play with these guys on another team. So maybe I will not say team friendly, but you know, let's, this guy, they took the chance on me and I, they bet on me and now I can maybe come back and, and, uh, enjoy this generic situation is supposed to be, no. Tyson Jones kind of guy, you know? So, yeah, I, I see to me, I think that he is a better player than Tyson Jost. I really do. Um, and it, I think it will be an interesting decision that the wild have. He's arbitration eligible. So this could also be one of those, um, situations. And this is just me totally shooting from the hip. They have no Intel on this, but maybe it's one of the situations where you don't qualify him and then you come back to him and say, all right, um, you know, let, now let's sign maybe a two year deal at 2 million bucks or something and, and try to get him. 
um, that way, uh, where he doesn't go to arbitration. A lot of it will depend depend on what his arbitration case is, on uh, which way they go. But he's been a very serviceable player, and and thank God for him. You know, because you know, obviously Her- uh, Hartman was hurt, but he also has not had the year that I think that he expected to have. And so you know, Steele goes to that uh, that that spot between Kaprizov and Zuccarello, and has done a really good um, job there. Uh, name can't be blank. One of great Twitter names asks: Is Goose going to be a cap casualty this offseason? Two million dollars extra to bring back Addison or Gus might um, be needed. Uh, you also have Faber, Hunting, or Work coming as well. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting what happens here in the next couple of days and weeks with with uh, Alex Goligoski because I don't think he's hel- he's happy right now. Um, I do think that his agent is going to have a conversation with Bill Guerin here to try to figure out what's going on in the next little while. Um, you know, if you're going to trade Dumba, I mean, you know the way this league is. You can't have enough NHL defensemen. And, you know, even if Alex Goligoski would welcome a change, I don't think that Bill Guerin's going to want to trade him. And, you know, maybe what you say to him is, hey, look, let's re, 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 you know, let's re, re, you know, talk about this again, this, this off season about maybe moving you, but let's keep you here for now. Uh, what do you think happens with the Galax Galagasi situation? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Like I asked him the other day, I was like, well, what's the balance here? Like, are you, you know, happy because the team is winning? Like, and you, it makes it easier <laughs> or is it still hard to, to not play? He goes, it could be both, right? It could be both. Like I could be happy the team's winning, but I'm also frustrated I'm not playing. And he's a, been in the league for a long time. He's won a cup. He's um, obviously came back to Minnesota, his home state, you know, for a reason. He wanted a chance to play here. Uh, he played most games last year. And so all of a sudden he's, you know, obviously the Wild have their reasons why they like John Merrill over him. But um, I do think, I do agree with you. I think Bill Guerin respects him a lot, has a lot of, you know, a good relationship with him. But he also knows the minute you trade a defenseman, you lose two to injury. Big time. And um, so I think, especially if Dumbo's in the block, I just don't see Galagoski going anywhere until at least the summertime. Then you can save some cap space then. Um, if he continues, he wants to play, which last time I talked to him, he still wants to play. I don't think he's retiring yet. But, you know, who, who knows what will happen in three months. Yeah. Uh, Tyler asks, uh, do you expect the Boldy deal to be a catalyst for other extensions to get done in the next so uh, three to six weeks. Um, what do you think? I, I think that they're going to, as you mentioned, I think right now you start talking to Gustafson and try to put that next peg. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I think right now what they want to do is get as much cost certainty as possible so they can count dollars and cents. So I think Gustafson would be the next priority. You know, maybe you try to get Goudreau done now, even though if you go to Goudreau after the season, I think he's going to come back. Um, I don't think there's any pressure to get it done now. It's not like you're going to trade him at the deadline if he's unsigned and a pending UFA. Um, but really, is there is is there much pr- uh, of a priority to get anybody else done other than maybe those two? Those would be the main ones because you still want to wait and see on Addison too. Like if I want to see how the rest of the year goes out there, it, you know, it's in the lineup. So I think Gustafson would be what guy I'd go to. Um, and maybe Gustafson wants to wait. Maybe he's like, I'm having a great year. Maybe if my year <laughs> ends this way, my numbers go up, right? And Sam Steele, if you're arbitration eligible, not a lot of le- not a lot of leverage for them to be like, hey, I'm, why would they want to wait? You know, if he's playing on the top line the rest of the year, so I don't know. It's, it 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 takes two to tango, right? So the Wild could want to easily want to go to Gustav tomorrow and say, "I want to sign you a two year deal," but maybe he's like, "Well, let's let's put a pause button here and let's see how the year goes and then see how much we can get in the summertime." Uh, Joseph said, "I heard you tell a story about Craig Leopold calling the league about some stuff after a game when Billy Guerin had a family issue. Is this a common thing for an owner to do? Seems to align with all the culture talk." Um, yeah, what I said on a podcast or reported the other day is that after the Buffalo game, you know, I, I reported that day during that 
the day of the Buffalo game, Bill Guerin lost his father-in-law. And next day, I, next day, I happened to coincidentally um, shadow the Situation Room, and um, it was told to me in there that Craig Leopold, the Wild owner, had actually called the league because he was very upset with the officiating in overtime in Buffalo. And I don't think the league was very enamored with the officiating in overtime in Buffalo either, by the way. And um, uh, what I was told was that th- that is the first time in uh, since 2008 that Bill Garrett that that Craig Leopold has owned the Minnesota Wild that he has actually called the league. So I think it was uh, to to just, you know, get some pressure off Billy and not put him in that position. But I know the, the Wild were very, uh, very upset with that. But I was told that it was it was totally uh, the first time that's ever happened. Uh, here's a funny question. Bill Guerin's burner Twitter account, Joe, at probably wishful thinking, but do you get any sense that Freddie would do a team-friendly deal for some term, much like Hartman did? I think that he would, right? Don't, don't you? Th- when you have a relationship like this with a coach, the grass is definitely not always greener. It isn't, and he fits with the way they want to play. Um, he's a very well-affected guy on that team. The coach obviously had him go way back, and and he trusts him. I think Goudreau trusts Everson, and I think as long as he's here, he's going to have a pretty prominent role. He'll have power play time. He'll have penalty kill time. Like So, you know, unless the offer is going to blow you out of the water, I think it's something to be said for liking where you're at and being comfortable in your role. And he's already moved around a little bit, too. So I think depending <clears throat> on what team-friendly means for that, number but i think he'd be a guy who would come back yeah um here's a good question joe i don't know what you think of this um uh jang art asks is having two writers covering the wild working out as you'd hoped you were both outstanding so i am for one i'm uh, enjoying the double coverage but i was just wondering how you guys at the athletic feel exceeding expectations i mean i could tell you uh wouldn't you agree that yesterday <laughs> maybe you wouldn't agree but for me yesterday was man stress free because i had uh, another story on my plate and uh just having you there was such a you know breath of fresh air for me uh i mean even remember i don't know if you remember this but i was at the atlanta airport connecting and i said to you hey do you need help i got 30 minutes here do you need help with the news headline and then you send me the link uh news headlines up yeah. uh you know you you just you took total control of it and i just think you know that's that's where i mean yesterday was p- proof positive i think where where man it really was just a breath of fresh air to have a second person no i mean it's definitely been great i think both of us have you know been grinding for a number of years and on our beats and cover it relentlessly and so it has been nice to collaborate ideas just share story ideas back and forth it's really helpful I think, for both of our stories that way um and just on a personal level like being able to like go home, go home for christmas and to spend more time that way and driving uh with my wife and our dog to go see our family and so you've been able to get away too a little bit i'm probably missing your first few home games probably in a long time or first road games yeah. in a long time so uh, i think as far as like professionally and then personally as a work-life balance has been good and i also been kind of impressed like you know i You've been here for twenty some years, right? So there's no, not been really an ego there, like more like your territorial. Like, don't write a story on the analytics team, or don't write a story on the pre-soft, or don't write a story about this. Like, there's never been like, oh, that's my guy, you know. You give yeah. me guys. I think I, I think wild fans uh, that that just heard you say that um, would laugh because uh, they know that I don't want to write about the analytics team. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. But in all seriousness, like that story was just so fascinating and so well done and um you know learning one more about net cells but again the the whole operation and i just think and and this is to me where like the value of having you here is is that you write these stories that are complex so simply to understand like the analytic story was just outstanding the story that you did on practice and the science to it and the heart monitors and all that stuff 
by the way, without either, ever telling me that you're even working on it behind the scenes. And the next thing you know, you're like, hey, by the way, I'm working on this story. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, those are stories that I just don't think that I'm sometimes equipped enough to write. Maybe from an intelligence standpoint, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just think that's where, to me, the way that I envision this whole work, uh, this whole thing working, I just think, um, you know, I, I just think wild fans, uh, you know, I feel bad for lightning fans, but I think that wild fans are realizing that maybe some of the promises that we made in the off season when we announced that you were coming and, you know, are really actually coming into fruition where they are just getting, uh, you know, to me, a luxury of riches from that standpoint. And it's, and it's been fun personally for me just because I had a whole fresh canvas of stories I can do, right? After yep. writing a lot of stories in Tampa, and like you maybe I see things from a different perspective than you do, or maybe you didn't think it's a story, but oh, maybe it is a story. So I think it's just overall, uh, for me, it's been exciting just to have watched a whole new locker room to learn people to relationships with and then find a fun story off, off the ice as Shaw and Dewar, them doing karaoke and whatever, you know, like finding fun angles and maybe uh, you or I don't think about things differently. So I think it, we have different writing styles different Twitter uh, styles, apparently, uh, off game. So uh, I think it's been, hopefully it's been uh, good for a lot of Wild fans. Um, a couple more for you, Joe, and then we'll let you go. Um, Doug Erickson asks, a future goaltending question with Gus getting his game together. How far off is Wallstat uh, for being at least a backup? And what does this mean for Fleury's contract? I know that you're actually working on a Jesper Wallstat story. Um, in, in terms of what it means for Fleury's contract, I don't think anything. I think that, they, you know, Bill Guerin wants to, quote, overbake Wallstat. And I just think the fact that both Gustafson and Fleury are winning games and playing well, I think that allows him to, quote, overbake um, Jesper Wallstadt. And, um, you know, Fleury's got one year left on his deal and uh, and certainly looks like he continue to, can continue to play. So I think that allows that part. So that's my answer to that part of the question. Tell us about Wallstadt. Give us an update on him. Well, he's been playing really well the last couple of weeks. I think he had like four to five like really good starts in a row. I think he's kind of turning a corner. They worked on him a lot of small things like work habits and practice and conditioning and uh, little things that you uh, learn at going to the pro hockey level at the uh, uh, in North American style hockey. Um, so I think it's probably a luxury for him too, not to feel the pressure of like the team struggling up top. There's a goalie crisis and like we need to have them save the day. Um, and so I think overall they could go into next year having Gustafson and Fleury as the one-two combo again, and then give him another year, get him some spot starts during the season. So you get a taste of the NHL. And then if you want to need to make a move or whatever, he's ready to do that. I think it takes a lot of time for goaltenders to feel comfortable in their own, in their, in their crease. And then at the NHL level, so much different than AHL. So, uh, the more they can get him acclimated without giving him a large responsibility, I think it'll be great for him in the future because he's a future number one goaltender and a really good one too. Cool. Uh, two more for you. Uh, then uh, one little fun one. Uh, Jacob wants to know, uh, when you talk about lateral move for Dumba, I guess this is for me because he put it in quotes because I always say that. Uh, do you mean someone that could take his top four minutes or a seventh defenseman so Goligoski can slide into the lineup as a regular? My guess is that a lateral move, um, when Bill Guerin talks about it, means somebody that can be as good or better than Dumba in a top four role, not just get acquire like a Luke Shen and put Goligoski there. I think if they felt Goligoski was a top four player, he'd be in a top four right now. So I think they want to get an a NHL top four defenseman if you're going to trade Dumba. Um, th that's just my opinion. Do you agree? I do. I do. And so if you do go out and get a Luke Shen, it wouldn't be able to be a six or seven defenseman. They already got two of those. They, you know, so if they feel Luke Shen can be that guy in the top four role, then that's what they would do. Or whoever that, you know, Gavrikov in, in Columbus, he leaves a glove shot, right? So um, if you find different guys that you can fit in that role, they don't want to let go of him and then have, I don't even know if they're comfortable yet of putting Kale Nadison 
in that role right now. Um, he's a rookie defenseman. It takes a while for him to learn. So I don't think uh, I think it has to be a lateral in terms of having a guy who could fit yep. in where Dumbo plays in the lineup. Uh, Brandon Dahl asks, uh, have you seen enough from this year's call-ups and younger players that would re- make Marco Rossi expendable in a package to acquire top six help? Uh, no. Um, you're not trading Marco Rossi because Sammy Walker's just, you know, been able to play some games. Um, that, that would be uh, ludicrous. I'm not saying they would never trade Marco Rossi, but it would not be because of the call-ups that we've seen uh, in the minors. It is way, way too... I don't know if you've talked to Bill Guerin about this, um, but don't you agree that it is way too soon to give up on a Marco Rossi? Well, absolutely. I mean, I talked to Garrett, I talked to Tim Army, and who sees him every day in Iowa, and like, wait till this kid's 24 years old, give him some time, right? Like, and the, with the history this organization has had up the middle at center, the last thing you want to do is give up a guy who could be a potential top six center playing next to Matt Boldy for a number of years, right? Um, or whatever my case might be. So, yes, it's probably been frustrating for fans. It's frustrating for Marco Rossi to be in Iowa right now instead of the Minnesota Wild, but. He has a skill set. If he can just turn that switch mentality-wise of just commanding the game and and being that kind of alpha kind of player, because he has a skill set. Um, I don't want to. Only want to give up on a guy that young, that talented, this soon. Uh, Mahu O2 wants to say wants me to ask you when am I going to go haze Joe Smith and do a meaty mailbag blog? We haven't done any mailbags this year, don't we? Think we, we probably should at some point. We're probably do sometime here before the deadline, right? And we can take you know, at least instead of having you do the full media blog we could split it up right um yeah. and pick on that way might so. have to do it in like eight parts so well just seven days in a week right <laughs> daily mailbag part seven uh running yeah. saturday so yeah i think we tried some live rooms before i don't know how much fans like them or not like them but i think mailbags are a way for it to be permanent and people if they don't hear the live room or miss it or you know can't be there to kind of have that stick out and kind of we re- can reshare them so we should we should probably do one uh come up here soon so people can uh, get their questions in and see how long we can go and just piss off our editor jake leonard yeah absolutely um hey joe really appreciate you doing this uh, i want you to go enjoy the weather and a couple days of uh r&r are, are you looking forward to the father son or really the, it's the mentors trip uh like i was talking to matt dumba this morning his brother uh um his brother Kyle, uh, who played junior hockey, actually came on uh, a trip when he was 18 years old. His dad's been on a bunch. Um, in fact, the last one in Edmonton, his dad was on, and uh, he's on this one as well. But um, I, I got to think you always enjoy getting good stories out of this type of stuff. Oh, absolutely. The, the dad's trips, even Tampa, were fantastic. A lot of really good personalities. I think the, the dads had a, a lot of rough time in the mornings after. They had a lot of Nashville <laughs> um, um, trips for Tampa dads. So few of them were a little had to get some help from their sons to get up in the morning sometimes so they're, they're a lot of fun that's the best stories that you know mike are from family members or from parents from brothers from wives and so yep. this will be a really fun time especially staying you know south florida and tampa they're gonna enjoy the hell out of this one so yeah i'll be absolutely. Uh, i'll show them where to go yep uh todd boldy i would assume is going to get a nice dinner either at burn steakhouse or the meat market or somewhere on las olas uh, I got to think Todd Boldy's got a nice dinner coming his way. Hey, uh, Joe, thanks for doing this. Uh, uh, as, as everybody that listens to all these podcasts on the athletic know, we have a vast array of podcasts across our network, every sport. Um, Jason Priestley, the actor director. Remember Jason Priestley from Beverly Hills 90210. Wow. Yep. He joins, uh, myself, Jesse Granger and Rob Pizzo on the athletic hockey hour 
uh, on Wednesday, Athletic Hockey Show, I should say, on Wednesday. Um, Jason Priestley directs and narrates Offside, the Harold Ballard story. And that is, again, on Wednesday's Athletic Hockey Show. Annual subscriptions to The Athletic are just $2 a month for a year when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe to The Athletic Hockey Show on YouTube at youtube.com slash at The Athletic Hockey Show. Straight from the source will return in the next week or so. Believe it or not, at some point with Andrew Height, that that podcast, as Jeff Demetter, our illustrious producer, <laughs> know, uh, would know, has been collecting dust since we recorded it in early December, but it will be up at some point in the near future. Joe, thanks for doing this and talk to you next week, everybody. Uh, thank you.